0: Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well today. Uh, Welcome, everybody that's also joining us online. I know we have several of our folks that are not here due to illness and some other things that are going on that are out of the the realm of their control. And they're joining us this morning. Uh, If you're a guest with us online or here, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors, and I'm so grateful that you are with us here today uh, as we continue in this time of worship to the Lord. I want to remind you uh, as a form of uh, worship here at Holmes is giving. Uh, so if you want to uh, give to the mission of Holmes Avenue and what God is doing here, uh, you can do so by the different avenues that you see there on your screen or via one of the ushers as you depart from here this morning. If this is your first time with us or first time in a while, uh, we have been journeying this summer uh, through the book of Psalms. We've selected uh, different Psalms uh, throughout this wonderful book, and we've been looking at a wide range of human response to these things, uh, things of life, things that, that we face. Uh, we've seen Psalms of joy and praise. We've seen Psalms of lamenting. And today we see a psalm uh, that I've entitled for the message, Fear Not. Fear not, and I think you'll understand that in, in a few moments as we get into this, but I, I believe it was the year 2000, 2000, 2001. I'm in middle school. And I'm in the Boy Scouts, and we've uh, been on several camping trips up to that point, uh, with uh, rooming inside of a tent with my buddy, and uh, that I joined the Scouts with, and we're enjoying it, and everything's great. And then my first year at Camp Honanwa happens, and Camp Honanwa is out on Kiowa Island, and uh, it's pronounced Honanwa, and it means the land between two rivers. So there's a river on each side, obviously, and the campground is there in the middle. Some of you may have even been there at some time or another in your life. But at the campground site that we're staying at, it was right off from uh, the main road and the parking lot. And they had the military-style tents, okay? And they were the hefty, uh, really hot in the middle of the summer, which is where we're camping at in the middle of the heat of summer in Charleston. And so with that tent, uh, there was a little wood platform that was just barely off the ground. Some of them were very flush with the ground, so we had to dig these little trenches around so that the water, if it rained, would kind of not flood our tent out and all of that. And because of that tent, we had to roll back the flaps. Now, during the rainstorm, if you're in there sleeping, you want that to be closed because the wind and everything is blowing the rain in. So most of the time we had it open, though, because it's so hot. And so we're in the tent and there's two little cots, you and your roommate that's there in the tent. And I remember my first night there. Okay, now, as the years ago, my dad, Steve, that that is a deacon here, he would be on the trip. But this first one, I'm on my own I've got my buddy there in the tent with me. I'm with my scout troop. But that's it. Right. And like I said, I'm in middle school. Right. And I think I'm big and bad and I'm tough. But it gets to be that first nightfall. And it's dark. And it's hot. And I've got the flap rolled back, and you're away from home. And this is a week long trip that I'm away. And really, it feels like my first time that I'm alone, away from home. And I remember laying there in that cot, and the way in which you would stay specifically in that tent to get the cool air that would blow is you would stay at the front part of it while the flaps open. So I'm literally laying on my cot, looking out into the darkness trying to have my eyes fixate and try to see in the dark there. And I'll be out front, I remember being terrified. I remember being scared. I, I would hear the noises of the things that are there in the woods, worried of what could potentially be there. And as we saw on one of our trips out there, there were snakes that were definitely present. One time we almost stepped on a rattlesnake in the middle of our campsite. Just terrified of all the different things that could have potentially been around, and with the flap of the tent open, and just the worriness of what's there, I remember being just so scared, wanting my mommy and daddy, wanting to be home, right? And I, I remember that story as I was reading through this psalm and prepping for it. Let me ask you a question: Have you ever been just so fearful of something? It doesn't have to be something to where you're in an example like that, to where you're, you're, you're terrified of something that could come from the woods or something of that nature, but maybe you're scared of flying. Maybe you're scared of certain insects. Maybe you're scared of rejection. Maybe you're scared of confrontation. Maybe you're scared of the potential terminal illness. Maybe you're scared of the diagnosis that has come and you're scared of losing that loved one. We've all had moments in our lives where we have just been so fearful. And if we're not careful, that fear will cripple us. It will almost feel like it's gripping onto our throats and choking the life out of us. For followers of Christ, we have the hope of, of eternal life that is promised us. We have the reality that the Lord is with us always. And in this psalm today, I think we're going to see a lot of hope that we have through the relationship with Christ. Today's psalm doesn't give us a specific author's name, but most scholars believe that it was written by Moses. And it's written from the standpoint of a child of God facing dangers and turmoil in life. Amid the difficulties, though, we must remember whose we are and rely on the Lord. So with that said, let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's word and read Psalm 91. If you need a Bible, there's one there in front of you. The words will be on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on a lion and an adder, the young lion and a serpent you will trample underfoot. Because He hold fast to me in love, I will deliver Him. I will protect Him because He knows my name. When He calls to me, I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will rescue Him and honor Him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God for it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you have given to us in our life, Lord. You are our Abba Father. For all of us who are in Christ, Lord, you have given us the hope of eternal life through Christ Jesus and his finished work. Lord, you have called us to be your people, loving you with our life, honoring you, glorifying you, walking in obedience to you. And Lord, as many of us can attest to, Lord, there are times in this life where the fear is ever present. Where it's almost crippling. Where the days can be hard. But Lord, you are the most high. You are our dwelling place. And Lord, you comfort us in the midst of difficulties. Father, I pray now, Lord, as we move into this time of proclaiming your word, Lord, that the meditations of my mouth and the, the words of the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing unto you. God, that all distractions would fade away in this place, and that you would receive the glory. Lord, may you do what only you can do. Have your way, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So for this passage, we see that followers of Christ have no need to fear. God Almighty has redeemed us through Christ's finished work, providing for us the Holy Spirit that is with us, the helper that is always ever present. Therefore, we must abide in his shelter, embracing the peace of his protection and rejoicing in the satisfaction of his gift of salvation. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. The first point is this. Abide in his shelter. Abide in his shelter. Verse 1 again reads, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We see here overtones of terms that we've defined in previous weeks through this summer preaching series in the book of Psalms. And one of the primary things that must be focused on first is the fact that the psalmist here, as he's writing, is seeing and honoring God for who he is, the Most High. Again, there is almost like a following of the Lord's model prayer to us, the Lord's prayer. We give God the praise and the glory. This psalmist is writing and talks about dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, God is all deserving of worship and adoration that can be given because he is the highest. He is the most high. He is sovereign. He is Lord. When we dwell in worship and adoration that's given to him, we dwell in his shelter. We abide in his shadow, as the psalmist says. The Hebrew word here for abide, is the the meaning of it is to lodge, to pass the night. It gives this idea of resting, embracing this time with God. It's the image, like we've talked about previously, of a hen, a mother bird, bringing her group underneath her wings. Jesus even references that. When he's talking and confronting the city of Jerusalem in the Gospels, he references this idea of the wings that cover the people. Verse 2 in this psalm says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. There's a beautiful declaration that is given by the psalmist here that I believe we must make note of. He's declaring that the Lord is his refuge and his fortress, his refuge and his fortress. With that comes this picture for us of protection. Now we're going to talk more about protection in a few moments, but taking shelter in our abiding of God brings a sense of peace to us and protection. How does one find this sense of peace and this sense of protection? It's one word. It's trust. It's trusting in God. The life of a follower of Christ, it is based solely on that, is it not? Trusting in God who has provided for us salvation. Placing our faith and trust in Jesus for what he has done. Just over the course of this last week with our New City Catechism question, we talked about what it means to have true faith. And in that answer, it re- referenced the Apostles' Creed. But the overall arching thing that that came from is that we must believe that e- of everything that is there in the gospel. There must be trust in God. There must be faith. The Christian life is one of faith. Faith in God that he is who he says he is. We believe in his promises. God doesn't say something and it's not correct. What he says goes. He is a covenant God to his people. He believes, I mean, we believe in him and we trust him and we believe in his promises. He's redeemed us through salvation in Jesus and his finished work. Verse 3 of this psalm says, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. The psalmist here declares how the Lord provides deliverance from the bait that is put there by the enemy or even by deadly disease. I'll talk more about the deadly disease here in a moment. But the snare of a fowler. Like a fowler would hunt for a wild game, the enemy at times seeks to harm us, seeks to devour us, as Scripture says. Peter, we remember this from last year as we were going through our First Peter study, Sojourners. Peter in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says this, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Like we saw a couple weeks ago with David hiding in the cave as he's writing the song. People may seek at times to bring harm to us. They might not seek to bring physical harm to us like Saul was seeking out David to bring physical harm. But if you ever in your life had someone that is trying to maybe give you a bad representation to other people... They're trying to hurt your, your, your reputation, maybe in the workplace or something like that. See, for the nation of Israel, there was concerns. There was concerns of enemies that would attack, but there was also concerns of plagues and diseases that could bring death. These plagues and diseases because of contamination of water and, and other things and sickness. My goodness, for all of us here in this place and watching online, the last two years of our life, we can understand very clearly what happens when everybody is worried about sickness, right? We've all experienced it. Many of people in our church have experienced coming down with illness because of COVID or other things. Many people in our church right now are battling some kind of ailment and sickness, Regardless of these issues and the fear that can come up with a wide variety of things, we can find our hope and cling to said hope again and again that the Lord is ever present with his people and he will provide for us and protect us. The psalmist continues in verse 4. He will cover you with his pinions. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Here in verse 4, the psalmist declares the covering of the pinions, as I said earlier. And we can see the same image, like I said, that we've seen in previous weeks. It's like this mother hen covering. Now look at the second half. He says there in this verse, The faithfulness or truth of the Lord, his promises are like that of a shield and a buckler. Warren Weir'sby in his commentary on the book of Psalms, describes this as a mound of the earth that is around a fortress provided for extra protection. If you're like me, maybe you can see that image almost immediately in your mind. You see this, this forming of this mold of the ground around a fortress, a castle, and the point that he's getting at here is a very clear point of the psalmist. Those who abide in the Lord are safe as they walk in his will. Wearsby even says, God's servants are immortal until their work is done. In other words, we are secure in the salvation that comes from the Lord. We'll have more on that in a moment. We must abide in the shelter. We must rest in the shelter of the Almighty, clinging to the Lord as our refuge. Which brings me to point number two. Embrace peace in his protection. Embrace peace in his protection. Verse five. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. There is great comfort, church. There's great comfort in knowing that the protection of the Lord is at hand. He says there in that first part, we need not fear the terror of the night. Much like my story that I mentioned to you earlier, we have examples probably where we have experienced terrors of the night. That feeling of fear, it overwhelms us, and it's disabling. It's hard, it's difficult. And as hard and difficult those things are, we must remind ourselves continually, as you've heard us say week after week for the last several weeks, preaching the gospel to ourselves, that we are the Lord's. We need to lean it at the foot of the cross and give it to him and ask him. This isn't on the screen, but we also see in Peter's writings that he says, cast your anxieties upon the Lord for he cares for you. One translation says, cast your fears upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. Yes, we are still going to face difficulties and hardships in this life. Yes, we will still suffer, but we must trust in the divine, sovereign plan and will of God and know, despite any and all things that we are in the hand of the Father. Embrace that. He has us. It also says, we need not fear the arrow that flies by day. Now this could be used to reference an attack of the opposing enemy as a launching of the arrows. You you may have seen it, you can picture in your mind a movie or something you've seen where they would launch the arrows. Now you probably have seen scenes where you've seen it happen during the day, you've seen it during the night. The probability is always a more accurate one if it's being done during the day because you can see the longevity. You can see your target that is there. So no, no matter what may come in the fact of something coming in the day, the opposing enemy may be launching something towards them. The psalmist is writing, do not fear that arrow that flies by day. We also have a very quick reference in Isaiah 54, 17, the very first part. Where it says, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. You may take that as a literal weapon, but also take it as a spiritual weapon from the attack of the enemy. Look at verse 6. Nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Can you see the imagery here of Presumably, David has, or Moses, as he's writing this, the pestilence, the plague that stalks in the darkness as if it's hiding in wait. There was also, as I said, this fear of disease and plagues and such that may be there. There too was this fear of famine, fear of famine that may come about. There were many things that we could list that they could bring about as fear. There are many things that you could list as fear. Calvin in his writing says this, The man who has sought the mercy seat and is sheltered beneath the wings with which overshadow it shall abide in perfect peace. Days of horror and nights of terror are for other men. His days and nights are alike spent with God and therefore pass away in sacred quiet. His peace is not a thing of times and seasons. It does not rise and set with the sun, nor does it depend upon the healthiness of the atmosphere or the security of the country. Upon the child of the Lord's own heart, pestilence has no destroying power and calamity no wasting influence. Pestilence walks in darkness, but he dwells in light. Destruction wastes at noonday, but upon him another sun has risen, whose beams bring restoration. Remember that the voice which saith, Thou shalt not fear, is that of God himself, who hereby pledges his word for the safety of those who abide under his shadow. Nay, not for their safety only, but for their serenity." So far shall they be, being injured that they shall not even be made to fear the ills which are around them, since the Lord protects them. That all points back to this idea of having peace in the midst of the Lord's protection. Knowing and trusting in the Lord that he has us. That we have, as Peter also writes about it. Can you tell I've been in the book of 1 Peter lately? That he... Has provided for us a living hope, one that is imperishable. We have this hope in what is to come. We are redeemed, but we are also people of a different citizenship, citizens of heaven. So although we walk in this life and we do everything we can to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel and be obedient to the Lord, this world is not our home. This momentary fear and affliction that we may face, it is just that, it is momentary. Because there is a day coming when we shall see we shall see his face and we will have no fear. We will have no fear. We will marvel at his glory. What a beautiful hope and promise that is. Verse 7 and 8, I'll read together. The psalmist says A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. The psalmist's words here paint the picture almost of a battle scene. Can you see it? Granted, this could be a reference to the plague or disease, but most commentators believe that this part references the Lord's protection of his chosen people during the battle. The psalmist here describes thousands falling at the side of the one that would be reading this. Ten thousand at the right hand of the reader. Yet as we've seen in verse 8 the reader will only look with their eyes and see the recompense or retaliation of against the wicked. We see this phrasing here and it ties in with this reference to Psalm 37, verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. This is a correlation to show the favor of the Lord to his people. Verse 9 reads, Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. We may ask, why is this the case? From verses 7 and 8. Why is this a reality and a truth? And it's because the Lord's people have him as a dwelling place. Place. Honoring of God as the Most High and being the refuge that He is for His people. We have made the Lord our dwelling place. We take refuge in the Most High. Verse 10, No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Because they are the Lord's people, no evil shall befall. No plagues come near. You know, I, I was thinking through this and I'm, I'm wondering, what are maybe some examples for the people as maybe they're hearing the words of the psalmist read to them? You got to think about The nation of Israel and what God has done for them. The stories of deliverance from Egypt. The stories of how God has done an incredible work. The grief that they saw with their own eyes, verse 8. The grief of the Egyptians as their firstborn was killed during the Passover. To deliver the people. They've seen the working of God move and deliver them. As they even go and cross the Red Sea. And as they're crossing, they see the waters part. And they see God provide the way for them to be delivered. And as the enemy is trampling behind them, they turn with great fear. And then they see as they've crossed. The waters crash on the enemy because God has delivered his people. God has provided for his people. Verses 11 and 12 say this For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they shall bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. There's this promise of God that he will command the angels concerning to guard his people. They will bear us up even if we strike our foot on a stone along the pilgrimage or journey of life. Maybe even when we face the temptations of this world. You may hear these two verses from 11 and 12 and you may remember or think, wait a minute, I think I've heard this before. Maybe not necessarily here. Well, if you remember from the gospel account of the temptation of Jesus, Satan quotes this back to Jesus. He quotes this to Jesus as he's tempting him to sin against God. But then Jesus, our great high priest, He does what He has always done in the Scriptures. He sets the perfect example and He models it for us. What does Jesus do when the enemy tempts Him? He retaliates against it with the Word of God. He says, no, 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 no. You may offer this to me, but the Word of God says this. What a beautiful reminder for us, church, when we face the fears of this world. We face the fear that creeps in that causes the doubt and the anxiety and even the depression, maybe. Remember the truths of Scripture that you have hidden in your heart and proclaim them out. Preach that gospel to yourself. Remind yourself of the beauty. Are we in the Word, on a consistent basis to where this is a reality for us. When those things come, when that fear creeps in, when the anxieties and the worry well up, are we being transformed by the renewal of our mind in our sanctification to where when those things come, we are able to Say scripture back that we are reminded of these truths that we've hidden in our heart. The next time that you're facing fear, anxiety, worry, the next time that thing happens and it's difficult, maybe practice this. Because if you're like me, there may be times when those things happen. And you have to praise God that the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. Because there's times when the words just don't formulate. There's times where it's so overwhelming, you don't even know what to cry out to God. But the Spirit does, and He intercedes on your behalf. He speaks on your behalf to God. But maybe in those moments of not knowing what to say... You can be reminded maybe even of some of the things that we've studied this summer. And you can go to those places in Scripture and you can just open the Word of God and you can just begin to read it. Although the fear and anxiety, worry, whatever is there and it's present and these trials are here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Psalms 23. We may be in these moments of fear and worry and, and, and be so caught up in it that we're reminded of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We may be in those moments and they may be difficult and you say, oh God, my God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as a dry and weary land where there is no water, Psalm 63. Maybe you get in those moments where you have to remind yourself, Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12. The love of the Lord for his people is as high as the heavens are to the earth, and he has forgiven our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. Thanks be to God for that. remind yourself of this beautiful reality of abiding in the shelter of the Lord and the peace that comes in his protection, in being his child. Lastly, from this section, verse 13, you will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot there's these images here of these beasts, these cunning serpents that will tread on them and they will be able to trample under feet. What a picture of God's protection, huh? What a protection. Again, this does not mean that everything's going to be hunky-dory the rest of our lives. That's the prosperity gospel. That's from hell. That's not accurate. Life will be difficult. Life will still be hard. We will still face it. It's the reality of this fallen world that we are in. However, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We are his people. Therefore, we must be satisfied and rejoice in the gift of his salvation. Number three. Rejoice in the salvation and the satisfaction, excuse me, of the gift of his salvation. Verse 14. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Notice what the psalmist does here. There's a transition. It's no longer the psalmist speaking here. He's speaking the words of God Almighty himself. The most high's words here. Oh, how beautiful these words are as they come from Yahweh himself. The Lord says, those who hold fast to me in love will be delivered and protected. Don't miss this. The word love in this verse is one that can be defined as to cling to, to cleave to, to be passionate. Much like a young child may run up and cling to their mother or their father and have that embrace. Maybe in the moment of that young child being fearful and clinging to that parent in that embrace. We are to love the Lord and cling unto him. Cling unto him. Cling to the Father because we are passionately pursued and we passionately pursue. The Lord passionately pursues us. He gave his life for us. Why would we be not so overwhelmed with joy and rejoicing in our salvation that we would not passionately pursue him? We see the words of Jesus speak of this love. In John 14, 21 through 24, whoever has my commandments and keeps them He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, How, Lord, is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. I love the words of Jesus there. Anyone who loves me he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Make our home with him. Verse 15, the Lord's still speaking and it says, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. He continues with this beautiful promise to us as his people. When we call, he will answer. When we are in trouble, He is with us always. He will rescue and honor His children. We have all can give account of the times where we've called unto the Lord and He has answered us. Now let me insert, He doesn't always give us the answer that we want. But he always gives us the answer that's according to his will, for his purpose and his glory. But when we call, he will answer. He will be with us in trouble. He will rescue us and honor us. What a beautiful promise. That, that honoring there, it, it makes me think of when the time comes and our life is done and we are in the presence of the Lord and we are in heaven and everything of this world is gone and we can rejoice in Him We will be heirs forever and ever and ever as God's children because of his great love for us, because of the fact that Jesus bled and died and suffered God's wrath for us. We will be honored, although we were just Mere sinful people. Thanks be to God when He looks at us and our sin, He's forgotten it as far as the east is from the west. And He sees the righteousness of Jesus that covers us. Lastly, verse 16 reads, With long life I will satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. I read this verse and I see that the Lord indicates this long life that is satisfied in God because of this gift of salvation. And it makes me think for the Christian, no matter the length of time from our salvation, the day that we profess Christ and we were redeemed, until the day we go home, whether we label it as short or we label it as long in this life, Regardless of that, we are known. And we can be satisfied in that. Because the Lord has shown us his salvation. We can rejoice and be satisfied for the rest of our days in this earthly existence that can be difficult. Because we have the Lord and we know that this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. You may be in this room and you may be 80 years old or more. You may have that long life that you've lived and it's nothing but a mere dot on the grand line of eternity. Forever and ever and ever, we are the Lord's. Forever and ever and ever, we will proclaim his name, and we can rejoice and be satisfied in that. We need not fear, church, no matter what may come, because we are redeemed We've experienced what it's like to have our lives transformed. We've experienced what it's like to have the living water. Just this week at my study time, I was in the book of John, chapter 4. And it's a story that many of us probably remember all too well that we've read it time and time again. It's the story of Jesus and the Sumerian woman at the well. And throughout all of that, Jesus intently goes there, a place where he's not supposed to go. Jesus is not supposed to, by society or culture standards, have this conversation with this woman who desperately needed Jesus. And there, while she's at the well, she's talking with him. And Jesus confronts her in the midst of her sin in the moment. He tells her to go and find her husband. And she says, well, sir, I have no husband. And the fact is she had five previously. And the one that was with her was not her husband in that moment. And she says, Lord, I perceive that you're a a prophet. Jesus tells her, I'm summarizing, I know. Jesus tells her, if you knew the living water that could be provided to you, you wouldn't continue to be coming to this well just looking for this kind of water. For that moment, she leaves the place and she goes to tell everybody, come and see a man who told me everything that I'd ever done. And it starts this big old commotion about Jesus. But don't miss the reality of what's happening there. Jesus is confronting her and telling her that he has the living water. It's living water. It's one that will never leave us thirsty. And if you're in Christ, you have that living water. If you're not in Christ, you can have that living water. Because when you have that living water, you will not thirst again. Because your soul will have the beauty of eternal life promised. And you have no need to fear. Why do we fear when we have the Lord? It's a question I want you to wrestle with this week. Why do we fear when we have the Lord? Why is it that we so quickly jump to fear rather than jumping to the one who has given us the living water? I don't know what the Lord is speaking to you here in this moment. I don't know what he's doing, but I do trust this. The Lord does not just sit back and not let things take place. The Lord is speaking. Are you listening? Are you being obedient? I want to encourage you in these next few moments to take the time and reflect. Take the time and reflect and ask God, what is it, Lord, that you have said today? What is it that you're saying to me right now? What is it that you want me to do with this? If you're watching online, you see it there on the screen, holmesavenue.com forward slash contact. Reach out to us. During this time, Walter, I'm going to ask you if you'll stay right where you are. During this time of the band singing, I'll be here if you want to come up here. But if you don't even feel comfortable with that and you want to talk with somebody in the back, Walter will be back there. Talk with either Pastor Walter or myself. We would love to talk with you and pray with you and know how we can help you encourage you. Fear not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are our God in whom we take refuge. You are the one in whom we take refuge and find shelter. And Lord, I pray that we abide in that shelter, in that peace of your protection. And Lord, that we would be so moved that we would rejoice and be satisfied in the gift of your salvation. Or there may be many of us here in this place right now or listening online Lord that are battling fear anxiety, worry we may be anxious about what's going on with a loved one what's going on with our own selves and our own health Lord I pray that we would lay those things at the foot of the cross Lord I pray God that we would not walk in fear. But Lord, that we would cast our anxieties and worries to you, Lord, because you care for us. That we would be not anxious or worried for anything, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we would make our requests be made known to you. And your peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord, that For as far as the heavens are to the earth, Lord, that is your great love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you, as far as the east is from the west, have forgiven our transgressions. We thank you, Lord, that just like the woman at the well, you have provided living water to us through Jesus and his finished work. God, I pray that as you speak to your people right now, Oh, that we would listen and that we would be obedient. Have your way, oh God, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.